praise God. I don't know what is what's going on or what problems may exist, uh, what things that you're staring at in your life right now. But most likely you have at least one or two or three or more issues or things that you're dealing with, things that you're, you're wrestling with that you don't have answers for. A problem or an issue for which you just keep running into dead ends. You need the Holy Spirit, as I was saying before. You need the Holy Spirit to enlighten your mind so that you can find the answer for your problem in God's word. The Bible calls that illumination. The Bible calls when you find the answer to your problems in the word of God, you call it illumination. It's called illumination. God always has a solution. Make no mistake. God always has a solution. God always has answers to questions. One thing the devil wants to do is to make you feel hopeless, discouraged, and confused. One thing I've noticed over the many years pastoring and ministering and being in the, in the Word is that when people start feeling discouraged and start feeling worried and feeling confused, they tend to drift away from God. They attend they start missing attendance in church. They start missing praying to God when you're feeling discouraged and whatnot like that. And I say to you that when that is happening, when the devil is getting into your life and keeping you from God, keeping you from prayer, keeping you from attending church at the time that maybe you really should be there, that's the devil getting into your life. And this usually happens, it usually happens when there's about to be a mighty blessing in your life. When there's about to be a breakthrough, when you start feeling discouraged and like I don't have any answers and what I'm doing doesn't seem to be working and the devil gets in there and starts discouraging you, it's because in many, 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 many times as I've seen in my life and in the lives of others that I've, that I've ministered to, that when that's happening, there's a breakthrough that's about to come around. And when that breakthrough happens, I've actually had people come back and Pastor, do you remember the conversation we had two weeks ago when I was feeling kind of down and we prayed and so forth? I said, yeah, I do. Right after that, guess what happened? Blah, 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 blah. And it was a blessing or a breakthrough. Okay? So God always has a solution. God always has a solution. Sometimes the solution to whatever we're wrestling with is right in front of us, but we don't see it. Sometimes the solution to what we're wrestling with is right in front of it, but we can't see it. Amen. Sometimes it's there. We don't see it. Sometimes it's there and we simply can't see it. Your life with the issue or problem is like being in a darkened room and you can't see the way out. It's like being in a darkened room and you just can't see the way out. And we always have to use the word of God as a reference point. So let's go in our Bibles to Genesis 21. Genesis 21. You're going to see that as you're, you're wrestling and you're dealing with issues in life, the times when they seem the most unwieldy, that you can't deal with them, okay, that's when the devil puts into your mind, puts into your thoughts, you're going to fail. You're not going to make it. God's not hearing you. God's not answered your prayer. You remember that bad thought that you had last week? Well, because of that bad thought you had last week, God's not going to answer your prayer. God's deserted you. It's a lie spawned in the pit of hell. God is always there for you. So Genesis 21, things can be right before us and we don't see it. Genesis 21, starting with verse number 9. 
Now, this is dealing with Sarah and Hagar and so forth. And you, you may recall that our, um, God had promised Abraham and Sarah a baby. They were both old and so forth. So Sarah, trying to help God, <laughs> trying to help God, decided to give his, her handmaiden to Abraham and said, take my handmaiden and, and, our, um, and bring about a child so that you can have this child that God is promising because I'm too old. So she decided to help God. Now, that's a whole sermon within itself because we got to be careful about us trying to help God. When God says he's going to bring about something in your life, let God bring it about in your life and don't try to start helping him. So this is what she decided to do. So now in verse number nine, it says here, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking uh, uh, the son. The son was mocking Isaac. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Now, don't forget, now, as I said, Hagar, uh, Hagar was her handmaiden, and Sarah told Abraham, take my handmaiden to have this baby. Now this baby, all of a sudden, now she's saying, get him out of the household, okay? okay even with Isaac. Verse 11. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So he's saying to go along with what Sarah's saying to do, because Isaac, Isaac, which is you and Sarah's son, um, thy seed will be called. Verse 13. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. You see, God is always faithful to keep his promise. He told Abraham that from you, um, you, you would be the progenitor, you know, of, of a nation. Okay, the, the, your, your heirs would be as countless as the stars in the sky and the sands in the sea and so on like that. Now. Even though I, uh, Ishmael, this is, this is the son of Hagar, okay, which, which was kind of born illegally or illegitimately, if you will, because Sarah insisted that Abraham have the baby with her. Ishmael was his name. He was still Abraham's seed. God had said to Abraham that I will bless your seed, okay? So therefore, God cannot go back on his word. So even though Ishmael was born of this other woman, he is still the seed of Abraham. So God still had to bless him. So this is why he said here, verse 13, and also of the son of the bondwoman, will I make a nation because he is thy seed. OK, now this is zero off a little bit. We know that Isaac, Isaac was the progenitor of the Jewish nation okay, of Israel. And uh, um, uh, 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 Ishmael through Hagar became the progenitor or the ancestor of the Arabs that we know today, which makes basically Ishmael and, and uh, um, Isaac half brothers. Okay, they were half brothers. So the Arabs today and the and Israel today, the Israelites, they're actually related. You see, and this is where the war continually goes on even to this day. Okay, but but God said here in verse thirteen again, and also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. And God did that. Verse fourteen. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down, and, and, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were, a bowshot. 
Therefore, she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. So she couldn't stand to see the child die. He was just going to die of thirst in her mind. And so she just put him put him aside. Verse 17 says, and God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. God heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him to thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, underline please, and God opened her eyes. God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so the main scriptures there in verse 19, God opened her eyes. Here she was in the wilderness out there in the desert with no water. And God opened her eyes to a well that was there. Prior to that, she did not know that there was, quote unquote, a blessing that was there. She couldn't see it. And so it is in our lives many, many times when we are praying for something. The answer, the solution to the problem is there in front of you, but you can't see it. Not until God opens your eyes. We run through life and we're so helter skelter and we're worried and sweating and losing sleep over something that we're praying for or some problem that's there, some solution, something that we need a solution to. But it's right in front of you, but you just can't see it. Okay? Let God open your eyes so that you may see and understand the things that are going on in your life. Let God illuminate or light your path so that you can see what is indeed right before you. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Praise the living God. So 119, and we're going to do 17, 17 and, and 18 here. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Please underline, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You see? When we, when we run through this life and we're trying to, to, to do our daily thing and things that we're praying for that are out and before us, you have no idea about the wondrous things that God has planned for your life. You have no idea about the, the many blessings that are, lay, that are laying out there for you, okay? But right now, many times you can't see them. So therefore, discouragement sets in. So we need to have ask God to open our eyes. We also see that in Ephesians 1, okay, what I'm focusing on here, I want you to see the importance in God's, in God's heart of us having our eyes open so that we can see what's going on. Ephesians, um, Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Praise God. There we go. Ephesians 1, and we're going to start at verse number 15. Ephesians 1, 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Please underline the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. May give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, please underline, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his, of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, please underline, to usward who believe, who believe, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him down at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also uh, in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet, underline this, has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, underlined, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Okay? So let's unpack a few things here. In verse number 17, where it says there, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You need to have a spirit of wisdom and, and a revelation of the knowledge of him. Revelation is something that is revealed to you. You cannot have the truths, the mighty deep truths of God revealed to you if you aren't praying, if you aren't reading his word, if you aren't consulting him. Amen. If you want to know something about something deeply, you need to study the subject matter. So in essence, you need to study God. You need to study his word. Then it says, then it says in 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints. So if your eyes are not enlightened, you don't know what is your calling. You don't know what is laid out before you. You don't know what God has planned for you. You don't know that the solution to your problem is but a hair away. You don't know that the thing that you're worrying about is right there in front of you. Just like Hagar with the well of water, she couldn't see it. She couldn't see it. So if your eyes are not opened, if you're not being enlightened, if you don't have the spirit of revelation and wisdom, you cannot see what God has planned for your life. And if you can't see what God has planned for your life, if you can't feel that God has a good thing that's coming, then despair, dis discouragement, disappointment gets into your life and it really gets dug in there because everything that goes on in your life just feels like it's so wrong. You feel like you're not making any progress. You feel like you're not moving forward, you see, you see? because you can't see. You know? So you need to have, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Okay. Now, it says in verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sat him at, at his own right hand and so forth in heavenly places. And then in verse 22, it says, and has put all things under his feet. He put all things, all things, all things in this world are under the feet of Jesus. Okay. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Who is the church? The church is you. The church is you. Okay. And who is the church? Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills it all, all in all. All right. So if, if everything is under the feet of Jesus, if Jesus has control of everything, if there's nothing in this life, in this world, that Jesus cannot master and put his foot on and control it, okay, okay, if, if that is under Jesus' feet, and if we, the church, are his body, where is the body located relative to the feet? The body is up here. 
Unless something is wrong with you. Your body is up here and your feet are down here. Amen. 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 So if God has put everything under the feet of Jesus and we are the church is the body, then that means that the things of this life, the things, the, the, the challenges, the tribulations, the trials, the disappointing things are also under our feet. Because we're his body. All right. If everything is under the feet of Jesus and we're his body, then that means that we, the church, those things are under our feet also. So what does that mean in everyday language? That means that the things that are going on, going on in your life, the problems that seem to be so unsolvable, the things that seem not to have any solution to it. OK, that problem is under your foot. It's under your foot. That means that you have some control over it. OK. But many times your eyes are not enlightened. You don't see. You can't see what it is that you need to do. You can't see where the answer to the problem is because your eyes have not been enlightened. Even understanding the concept that I have some power in the name of Jesus, I have some power over the things that are going on in my life because those things that are negative are under the feet of Jesus. And if I'm the body of Christ, I'm in the body, that means that they're under my feet too because the body is here. You see? But when those things start happening in your life that are going so helter-skelter and you can't see anything out there, you can't figure out where tomorrow's going to be or what next month is going to be like you can't see it, okay? It's because your eyes have not been enlightened. Your eyes haven't been opened to really understand what God is saying to you. Just like Hagar, she could not see that well of water. It was right there before her. You see? You see? So, man, have you ever looked for something in your house? Your glasses? Both of us looking for glasses. And where are they? Oh, my gosh, there they are right there on the counter. I was looking for a wire just last night. Went all the way back upstairs to the bedroom looking for this wire. And I was sitting on the couch when I lost it. And then and, and went up, back upstairs and searching around, searching around, going through every bedroom upstairs and came back down. And as I approached the couch, there it was. Okay. Either I was sitting on it, the blanket covered or whatever, but there it was. It was right there and I couldn't see it. You see, so the things in your life that you feel so are, are out of control is merely a fact that your eyes need to be opened. Your eyes need to be opened. The solution to the problem is, is right there. OK. Alrighty. If we look at the, if we look at the, uh, look, go to Luke, Luke 24, Luke 24, Luke 24. We're going to see here in Scripture where repeatedly it talks so much about this and then we're going to figure out what we can do about it. Okay, Luke 24. Okay. Okay, Luke, uh, Luke 24. We want to start at verse 13. Okay. Now, this is after Jesus was resurrected. Okay, verse 13. And behold... Two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, meaning the crucifixion of Jesus and so on. And it came to pass that while they, they communed together and reasoned or talked, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Underline 16. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Jesus was walking with them, came up to them, but they didn't know who he was. And he said, Jesus said unto them, what, uh, what manner of communications are, are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? He said, in other words, what are you talking about? Why are you so sad? 18. And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, 
Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not has not known the things which are come to pass here in these last days, here in these days? And he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, what things? He's acting like he does pretend he doesn't know. And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it, that it had been that it had been he which would have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Now, he's talk, they're talking to Jesus, talking about all of this, all right? Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early in the sepulcher. And when they found, uh, and, and when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. And, and then he said unto them, this is Jesus, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So here Jesus is talking to them, telling them about himself. Obviously, Jesus went through all of this. And the men are just sitting there listening to this stranger, just telling them all these things about Jesus. Okay, Jesus must have been chuckling to himself. I mean, you know, he's telling them all of this stuff. Okay, so then 28, it says, and they drew nigh unto the village uh, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him. They held him back, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to them. Verse 31 underlined. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. So underline that, please, verse 31. And their eyes were opened, and he, they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within him, within us while we talked with him, by the way, and while we, uh, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose to the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered there and them that were with him, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they, they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking bread. So here you see Jesus was right with them, but because of the fact that their eyes were not open yet, they didn't recognize him. Many times in the issues of life, the things that are going on, Jesus is right before you. Jesus is talking to you. Jesus is speaking to you through Holy Spirit. But maybe you just don't recognize it. Your eyes are holding, as it says here. You see? So the things that are going on in your life, your eyes need to be enlightened. Your eyes need to be open before you can actually see and understand Jesus. The interesting thing is that they're saying is that this stranger, this man who was there eating and talking with them, while he, they, he was talking about the word and talking about scriptures, they said that it burned within, within them. So in other words, it, 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 it was a witness. They heard that what this man was saying, it, it was resonating with their spirit. It, it, it was making sense, making sense. But they still didn't recognize. Recognize Jesus, okay? So the things that are going on in your life when you've got this problem and you're wrestling with something and you're praying to God, something that you may be hearing, something that you may be hearing may resonate in your spirit. But at that particular time, you haven't made the connection yet. You don't realize how this particular thing that you're hearing, this particular thing that you heard is indeed the answer to your problem. You see? So, 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 so how do I figure out when, how do I know when this thing that I'm hearing that is kind of 
churning around in you and making me feel and think, well, you know something, this may be the answer to the problem. What is it that can be done to enlighten my eyes, to open my eyes so that I can see Jesus? Many times the answer to your situation is right there in front of you. What you need to do is right there in front of you. What God would have you to do is right there in front of you. But it's just a matter of you recognizing what it is. Okay? And we can't do this by ourselves. This is something we cannot do by ourselves. The more we sit down, you sit in front of the computer, you sit and you sit down in the lotus position, cross-legged, and you start meditating or something and trying to figure out what you need to do in your life. You can't do that until your eyes are enlightened, until you can really understand what God is saying. So how are your eyes opened? What does it mean to the child of God to have your eyes enlightened? Okay, let's go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 105. How is it that we have our eyes opened? What does it mean to us in this, in this 21st century, living life in this modern world? You know, see, there's interesting things about the word of God and about God himself. God is the same yesterday, today and, and tomorrow and forever. All right. So what applies in Scripture back in Old Testament is the same thing today. It applies to today. No such thing as the Old Testament is done away with and it doesn't exist. It's not 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 pertinent any longer. But the word of God says in the Old Testament holds true today. The same way those men didn't recognize Jesus and he was right there in front of us. I mean, you, the answer to your problem could be right there in front of you, but you don't see it. OK, because your eyes are holding, as the word says, your eyes are still shut. OK, how do we how do we get that enlightenment? Verse 105, Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Please underline 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Please underline, quicken me. I am I'm afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Accept, I beseech, accept, I beseech thee, the free will offerings of my mouth, which is praise. Accept, I beseech thee, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. So in other words, I don't forget the word of God. The wicked have laid a snare for me. Yet I erred not from thy precepts. So even though others may be plotting against you, the devil himself can be plotting against you, trying to trap you. Yet you err not from thy precepts or his word, his commandments. Uh, verse uh, 111. Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my ear to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. Please underline verse number 12. I have inclined my ear um, to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. All right? So, again, the operative verses there, though, is 105. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. My eyes need to be opened. My eyes need to be enlightened. The solution to my problem is right there before me because I can't see it. So if you can't see something, that means that you need some light. 
You need some light. And the word of God right here says the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the light of God, the light of the word of God goes before you to light your way. OK. It also talks about the lamp in, in the, the lamp in Proverbs. Go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs number six. Proverbs number six. Proverbs 6. Verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs are instructions, are the way of life. Please underline the commandment is a lamp, the law is light, the law or the word of God is light. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. And then it goes on from there. But the main thing here is in verse 23. The commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instructions are the way of life. So you've got this thing that's going on in your life that you're struggling with. And you may be praying. And God may be saying to you that the answer is right there before you. It's right there in chapter so and so, so and so. It's right there in verse so and so, so and so. Or this is what my Holy Spirit is going to tell you. Amen. Amen. So you need to make sure then that you get into the word of God because the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. You need to have the light. If you can't see what is before you, it's because that means that something before you is darkened. The thing that is hiding from you can't be seen because it is not illuminated. Go to Second Peter. Second Peter, praise the living God. Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter one. OK. The word the words here that we're going through today can can actually help you to put into perspective what's going on in your life. Second Peter one is starting with verse number 19. Second Peter one, verse number 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Please underline that. Whereunto you do well. In other words, you listen up. It would do you well. It would serve you well that you take heed. It's talking about the sure word of prophecy. That you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place. Okay? So here it is again where it's talking about prophecy, that you take heed to what is being spoken, to what is being said, that you take heed to what is being prophesied by the word of God, because that indeed can be a light unto your feet. OK. OK. And we'll see, see that this light really has a whole lot to do with, 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 with staving off the darkness that's in your life. That's making you feel discouraged and not knowing what the answers are. Answers are knowing this first verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so the the word of God here or prophecy as outlined in Scripture, as it says in verse 20, 20, knowing this first, no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, you cannot take what has been prophesied or written in the word of God and twist it around to make it fit just you or just somebody else. You know, you know what I'm saying? God is not a respecter of persons. 
prophecy or what is talked about and spoken about in the word of God applies to everyone. Okay, it doesn't apply just to fat people, to skinny people, to short people, to tall people. It applies to everyone. Okay, this doesn't apply to black people, to white people, to Chinese people, or anyone else. It, it, it is no, it's not used for private interpretation. Whereas, though, sometimes people will take the word of God and try and twist it around and say, well, that only applies to this situation, only applies to that person. Prophecy in the word of God is the word of God, and it applies to you. So that means that when this thing is saying here, uh, we have also, verse 19, also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. That doesn't just, just apply to me. It applies to everyone that's sitting in the room. So that means that that light can be shined into that dark place that's in your life. That dark place that is present, preventing you from seeing the well of water, perhaps, like, like, like Agar. Hagar could not even see. Okay? In John 8:12, it says that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Your life will be illuminated so that you understand what's going on. You can just write down in your margin someplace, John 8:12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness. So, again, you've got this thing that's going on in your life and you can't see a solution to the problem and whatnot. Then you need to make sure that Jesus is the one that, that, that you're consulting Jesus because he can shine light on the situation in your life. Go to, um, to Samuel. To Samuel. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Stole my Samuel here. There we go. 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Oh, starting at verse 21. 22, chapter 22, verse 21. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. I'll wait for everyone to get there. 22, verse 21. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands has he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Please underline verse 22. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Now, that's another important thing there, that we're making sure that we keep the ways of the Lord. Okay? Keep the ways of the Lord. Verse 23. For all his judgments were before me, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. Please underline, I did not depart from them. Again, this is keeping to the statutes of God, keeping to his commandments. I was also upright before him and have kept myself from mine iniquity, kept myself from sin. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyesight. With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou wilt show thyself unsavory. And the afflicted people, thou wilt save. But thine eyes are upon the haughty that thou mayest bring them down. For thou art 
for thou art my lamp. Please in the line. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Please in the line. The Lord will lighten my darkness. For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. Okay. So here we see here that that again it says that God is a lamp unto your feet. God's lamp unto your feet. Now there are some other things up there that talks about making sure that you're sticking to His statutes. In verse 23, in verse 22, there it talks about saying that 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 uh, you have not departed from uh, from God. You have not wickedly departed from God. So if you want God to be active in your life and enlightening you and being a lamp unto your feet, first of all, you've got to make sure you're following the word of God. You've got to make sure you're not breaking his commandments. You've got to make sure you're trying your best to live, to live a good, righteous life. Amen. For him to light, light the way. Okay. It goes on to say that, you know, our Lord himself and his word provides that light or that lamp that far surpasses any human lamp then or now. The Bible is a reading lamp, which we can read the very thoughts of God. You ever stop and think about that? That the Bible are indeed the words, they are indeed the thoughts of God. And you can read that and understand the thoughts of God. You know what a miner's lamp is, those lamps they used to wear in the old days on their hats? A miner's lamp, it, it illumines the darkest places in a mine or in a pit, but it also reveals the gems that are buried there. The gems are the good things in your life. If you're looking for what's going on in your life and you're trying to figure out, well, the light, God's light, the lamp, the word of God, which is a lamp unto your feet, it will reveal, it will dispel the darkness and it will also keep you safe while you discover the gems, the things that God has in store for your light, your life. It's a safety lamp, the word of God, which like the one used by miners many years ago, it prevented the lamp from igniting dangerous gases. So likewise, the word of God, the light of God protects us from dangers that are lurking unseen in your life. There are many dangers in your life that are lurking unseen. Many forces of darkness who would love to see you fail. Many forces of darkness who would love to see you simply just get discouraged and you want to give up. The, the lamp, the word of God, which can be that lamp, like a like a, a, a minor safety lamp, it protects you from any dangers that's lurking around you in the darkness. It is it is the lighthouse lamp. You know what a lighthouse lamp is like. The, the word of God can be like a lighthouse, which which which, which um, prevents ships from running upon up on the rocks of the shore. Amen. Well, those rocks on the shore can be the rocky things that are in your life. How many times do we barrel down in, in a direction and solving something? How many times do we go charging down in a direction and solving something in our lives and we don't see the rocks that are before us? We don't see the dangerous things that are there. But we go on and we take an assignment that God doesn't want us to take. We wind up going someplace God doesn't want us to go to. We wind up not going where God wants us to go to. And we don't see the rocks that are there before us. But the word of God, God's opening your eyes like a lamp unto your feet will give you some direction and you will wind up seeing the rocks before it's too late. God's light, the lamp, the lamp of God's word is like a hurricane lamp. And no matter, you know what a hurricane lamp is, it's got the glass chimney around it and you can be out in the wind and that flame in a hurricane lamp doesn't blow out. Well, the lamp of God, when it's in your life, cannot be blown out either. It cannot be extinguished. It cannot be blown out regardless of the winds of adversity that may blow into your life. The light of God never can blow out, can never blow out if you're, if you're faithful in sticking to it. It's like a street lamp. The word of God is like a street lamp. A street lamp illumines the shadows of the night and reveals any enemies that may be hiding out. You're going on a dark corner on the street and you've got a street light that's there. Anyone that is hiding out there is wanting to mug you or do something like that. It reveals what is there. Well, so is the word of God. It's a lamp unto your feet. It's guidance for you. 
The word of God, when your eyes are open, will reveal those things, those thugs, quote unquote, those thugs in the spirit realm that are out there trying to destroy you or trying to make you fail. But if your eyes have not been opened and you don't have the light of God in your life, you do not see those things. You simply cannot see them. You think about the times that you walked in the darkness without a lamp or without a light. You know, have you ever experienced the pain of bumping your your, your knee or your shin on a coffee table? Those of us with little ones in the house, you ever walk through a dark room and you stop on and you step on a Tyco block? That hurts. (laughs) That hurts. Okay, you walk through a darkened room without a flashlight in your hand and there's no light in the room. You step on those blocks. Well, the word of God also lights the way. It says that it illumines your path so that as you're walking through this life, the things of darkness, those things that would pop up to bring you pain, you see them beforehand. See, but if you don't have the word of God and if your eyes have not been opened, you have not been illuminated, you cannot see those things. A lamp or a light not only shows us where to walk, but where not to walk. Told you where not to walk, you see. And again, like I said before, you're planning, you're trying to figure out what to do in your life, and you think you have a solution. You think you know what you should do. You think you know you should call. You think you know where you should write a letter. You think you know where you should go. You think you know who you should meet with. Well, without your eyes being enlightened, without the lamp, the word of God, without having God there as your lamp, then you don't know that you should not go there because you're walking in darkness. You see, you know. And you say, well, how can I be walking in darkness? The room is plenty light and I know clearly what's going on. Until God illuminates your mind, until God opens your eyes, you do not see the spirits of wickedness. You don't see spiritual wickedness that is hovering around you trying to make you fail. And you don't realize that the actions that you, you take may not be what God wants you to do because you're walking around in a darkened room. You're spiritually dark. The same way they did not recognize Jesus and Jesus was talking to them right there in front of them. The same way you could be, be entertaining or interfacing with or talking to someone or planning on doing something that isn't what God wants you to do. But you can't see it. You can't see it. Jesus is right there telling you, don't make that move. Holy Spirit is crying out to you, don't make that move. But because of the fact that your eyes are still, uh, your spiritual eyes are still darkened, haven't been illuminated, you can't see or hear what Holy Spirit is saying to you or what Jesus may be saying to you. It's right there in front of you, but you can't see it. You see, you see? And, and, and the more we, the more we kind of, the more we kind of poo-poo and try and, 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 and kind of dismiss this kind of thinking about Scripture, and the more we try to kind of poo-poo and dismiss the importance of getting to this level spiritually so that you can really understand what's happening in your life, then the longer you'll stay spiritually blind, the longer you will stay in spiritual darkness, the more you try and dismiss it. The more you think that I can solve the problem, that I know what needs to be done, I've done this before, I've been there before, then, then you are increasing the, uh, the blindfolds that are in front of your eyes because you can't see where God is coming from here. Jesus can be right there in front of you and you don't recognize him. That well of water could be right there in front of you and you don't see it. And you don't see it. All right. You need to take it to a different level. You got to understand where the word of God is coming from here. And this is not about playing church. This is not about simply reading the Bible casually. It's not merely about you just praying to God casually. It's about you crying out to God. God, open my eyes that I may see. What should I be doing, Lord? Should I take this step or should I not take this step? Give me, enlighten my eyes. Let your word, let your voice, let your Holy Spirit, let it be a lamp unto my feet. Lord, I'm about to take this step. Should I go there? Should I go there? Amen. Amen. One time in the beginnings of, uh, of Genesis 1, 
I finally decided to give in to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'll do what you're calling me to do and open a church and so on like that. And I left my secular job and I said, okay, Lord, the first, the first real estate agency that I come to, I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to ask them, I need a church building. If this is not where you want me to go, then just have me not go there. Lord, enlighten me. Put a lamp. Let me know where I should be stepping. So I did exactly that. Went into the first real estate agency that I saw, and I said, well, I'm looking for a church building. The guy said, oh, okay, all right, okay, uh, fill this card out and so forth, yada, yada, yada. We'll be in touch. In other words, you know, kind of like, don't call us, we'll call you. And so I went and said, boy, that didn't go too well, all right? Lord, give me direction. Let your word be a lamp unto my feet. Guide me, guide me, guide me. Christian newspaper that was in existence on Long Island at the time and went to lunch with the publisher there who was looking for Christian writers and so on like that. And so I decided to write some articles for him and we were having lunch. And then he said to me, he says, you know something? He says, it's funny, you know, you're looking for a church. But I said, yeah, right. He says, a pastor just came in here last week and told me that uh, he had a church building that he was looking for help paying the rent on, paying the lease on and is willing to share the building. I said, what, are you serious? He said, yeah. He set up a meeting, we went to the building, and that's where we started, right there. But what I'm saying to you is that if I had not let God guide my feet and tell me where it is that I needed to go and what needed to be done, then that would not have materialized, and the rest of it was the beginning of the ministry. So I'm saying to you that you need to have God's word, need to have the word of God guiding your actions, guiding your thoughts. You may not always know what the next step is, but you have to be confident that, Lord, if I take this step, I know that your lamp, you know, that light. I wear a little spotlight on a headband when I'm doing things and I need two hands free. Okay, and they, they tease me about it, but it's a little spotlight with a battery in it. And you can turn on the light and your hands are free to do whatever you're doing. And when I'm walking through the house, if there's a blackout or whatever, and I'm looking down, that light is literally a spotlight for where I can place my feet. You think about the word of God being that way. You've got something going on in your life. You're not sure how to deal with it, be it sickness, be it, be it financial, whatever it might be, be it someone that's in your life that's given you a hard way to go. Let God's lamp, let God's light enlight your path, light your path every single step that you go. Don't do anything without God. Last scriptures here. Let's go to Jeremiah. Okay, Jeremiah, I hate these tabs, there we go, Jeremiah 33, last scriptures here, Jeremiah 33, 1, 33 verse 1, okay. There's a scripture here that's worthwhile, memori- worthwhile memorizing. Uh, we're going to start at one. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call unto me, verse three, call unto me and I will answer thee. Show thee and show thee. Great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Please underline all of that. Verse 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You don't know God 
God wishes to reveal himself to you, but you don't know what lays into the future in your life. You don't know. Whatever you're struggling with, things going through your life, the plans that you need to make, the things that you're crying out for, things that you're hoping for, you don't know. So God says to call out to me, call out to him. You call out and then where it says there, and I will answer thee and show thee. When he answers you and shows you, your eyes will be enlightened. Your eyes will be enlightened because trust me when I say this, I mean, no, don't trust me, trust God when I say this. You get to that position in your life where you know that you can call on God. And then when he gives you the answer, it'll be like a man. It'll be like a revelation where your mind, your head will spin. And you say, wow, I never thought of that. No kidding. I never thought of that. I didn't see that. Do this, do that. Wow, that's so easy. He says that, he, he, he says that, call on me and I will ask and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Which you know not. You don't know what Monday holds for you. You don't know what Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday holds for you. You don't know. But call on God. The things that you're wrestling, the things that you're, pl- you're praying for, things that you're hoping for. Let your mind, let your eyes be enlightened. Let your eyes be illuminated. Let your eyes be opened so that God can show you where that well of water is. So that God can show you that not to step over there because that's not water, by the way. That's quicksand. We get ourselves into so much trouble many times simply because we don't ask God. We don't, we, 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 we charge ahead without our eyes being opened, without, without our spiritual eyes being opened. That's the surest way to get you out of trouble, into trouble. Amen? So let's move forward knowing and remembering that God always has a solution to your problem. And that you can indeed be blessed and you can see where God would want you to go if you pray and ask the Lord to open your eyes that you may see. Praise God. Let us, uh, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings. Praise the living God.